Welcome to bowl season. It is that time. We have been waiting, but we can't wait any longer. The bowl games are going to kick off, and that means we need to know who's in and who's out. Spreads, totals, money lines, other crazy things you've never even heard of. That is what we're here to do at Odd Chopper. At betting you, you guys have been with us all year, and we are now in bowl season, and we are going to give you every single game. Leans, likes, whatever we got going on, it's going to be a doozy, so buckle up. Get excited. I know you have been, I already seen the spreadsheets. You got all sorts of personnel changes, my friend. That is Magajeski, I, of course, and Ben Raza. Welcome to betting you. But man, we got a lot on deck today. How are you feeling with the first games of bowl season this week? I'm excited. I've done a reasonable job keeping up to date <laughs> on all the movement. As we record this, you know, it'll come out sometime after once it's edited. There's a decent chance someone will have entered the portal or declared for the draft within that short time. So just be aware this information will continue to change. In my pinned tweet, I do have a doc that's just open to the public where you can take a look at who's moving where. And there's a little bit of projecting because some of them are, you know, projected NFL picks. But yeah, just trying to stay on top of it. And that's the biggest thing with bowl season, predicting who's in, who's out, and who's actually going to play for these teams. That is the biggest thing. These teams are going to look a whole lot different and no one better than to give us that information than you. Right off the bat, a couple things that we need to tell you guys. One, we're going in chronological order. That's the only way to do this. We're just going in order. So don't, I'm not saying Ohio is the best bowl game. It's not, but it's the first bowl game. So if you want to skip around, the timestamps are there. We're also going to have an exclusive deal in this show uh, for Odd Chopper. That's going to be a great thing. And then of course, you guys know the drill. Like, comment. Hit us with everything that you got for this show. But enough of that. Let's get it started because we've got 41 bowls to get to. And we start. We start with the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Georgia Southern and Ohio. Georgia Southern is a three and a half point favorite. The floor is yours. Here we go. Georgia Southern is the side I like. And a lot of this is just going to come down to health, opt-outs, NFL draft stuff. NFL draft stuff doesn't really play a role in some of these games that we're talking about first, but Ohio did have a lot of portal departures right away. They lost both of their starting running backs. That was a platoon situation with O'Shane Allison and say Bangura. Most importantly, their stud quarterback, Curtis Rourke. He was the 2022 Mac offensive player of the year. He hit the portal. Miles Cross and Tyler Walton hit the portal. That was in addition to Jacoby Jones already being out at receiver. So they're now down three of their top four. Basically, just Sam Wiglitz is back there. And they had already lost their backup quarterback, so now you're on a third stringer. On defense, Key Thompson at linebacker transferred. They have two other defensive backs who missed their most recent game due to injury. They've now had you know close to a month to recover, so it's hard to tell whether they'll be back or not. But ultimately, you can see this Ohio team is just completely depleted, especially on offense, which I think is a huge problem against Georgia Southern. That team is way healthier. They really haven't had any departures in the portal. So that team with Davis Brin running the air raid should be at a huge advantage facing an Ohio team that already was 71st in coverage and now has a ton of weaknesses on the back end with some losses they have. And then really the only strength Ohio had on paper was their pass rush, their 16th. That's not really a strength against Georgia Southern, who has an awesome offensive line and is 22nd. So the healthier team, the team that has more players just from the season, Georgia Southern, I think, has no issues throwing the ball over Ohio. And then if this gets to a shootout, which that's how a lot of Georgia Southern games go, 
third string Ohio quarterback, third string running back, one of your top four receivers. Like, how do they keep this close in a shootout situation? I was lucky to take Georgia Southern early on, but I still think you can play them here. So chalk one up for the Sun Belt to break the seal. Georgia Southern laying the points. Another Sun Belt team in the next game, Jacksonville State against Louisiana. The game's in New Orleans. It's down there. Jacksonville State, three-point favorite, about a 60-point total. Where do we go here? Yes, a lot of these I took early. I'll try to give you actionable takes. Like the last one, I got Georgia Southern plus two and a half, but I still think you can play it at minus three and a half. This one, I only got Jacksonville State at minus two and a half. So it's very close to the current line, which I think is very, very playable. I like this more than the first one. There's a lot of motivation stuff for Jacksonville State. You've got like Zion Webb in his seventh year. This will be his last college (laughs) game. And this team is pretty healthy. You haven't really seen any portal departures from this team, which was a surprise to me. I thought you might see some defenders go. But, I mean, we're still talking about some pretty, like, undersized players that aren't really candidates to play at the Power 5 level. So that's, I think, good for this team. They have a solid offense, great offensive line, top 25 in both pass blocking and run blocking. That's a massive advantage against Louisiana's defense, who's 95th against the run. They have had some portal departures. A big one on defense that might not be talked about is Kendry Gant. He's their best linebacker, huge run stopper for that team. So a unit that's already bad just lost their best player. Louisiana, they've dealt with a lot of injuries throughout the year. Their top two quarterbacks are out. They also didn't have their center in their last game or their starting running back, Draylon Washington. Again, it's been about a month, so maybe some of these guys return. Certainly not the quarterbacks, but maybe you get your center back. But Jacksonville State plays solid defense, too. 36th overall, 23rd against the run. Little worse in coverage, but Louisiana wants to run the ball against you. I think you got a lot of room for Jacksonville State to win this bet. Louisiana, just with their third stringer, we've seen a couple games now playing just down to competition. In their last four, they lost to Arkansas State, lost to Southern Miss, which was brutal. Lost to Troy, that'll happen. And then they beat Louisiana Monroe to finish the year. Their quarterback got hurt in that game. So I'll lay the points with Jacksonville State. I actually really like this number currently. Yeah, I'm a fan of Jacksonville State as well. Uh, you, you see it, it's taking a little pressure at three, but I definitely think we can find it. Two on the board, Miami of Ohio and App State, some teams that made it deep into their conference. We saw Troy uh, and what they did to App State, but still a quality team in there. The, the favorite here at five and a half. Uh, again, we're going to shop these and see what we can find. Where is this game? It's in Orlando. Not that that really matters. Are we going to the Sun Belt or are we going to the MAC? This is a game I think we can keep pretty quick. The two biggest departures are on Miami, Ohio. Well, it's really just one. It's Avion Smith at quarterback. Yep. So he's gone. Brett Gabbert's already out for the year, which is huge. But Miami, Ohio, they've had a ton of guys announce they're coming back. So I made a list of potential defenders I thought would portal or maybe at least consider it. And none of them have. So I, I think this team's trying to win the MAC again next year with Gabbert back. Larbadane's coming back. I mean, their best defender, Matt Salapek. He'll be back. So it's tough to evaluate this team. I don't think they're going to be able to score on a third string quarterback, but their defense should be pretty strong here. This team was ranked 20th in the country in overall efficiency. Of course, they play in the max. So take that with a grain of salt. App State, I think, will be the healthier team, and especially at quarterback, having Aguilar is a huge advantage over anything Miami, Ohio has. But they did lose Nate Noel to the portal. Fortunately, that's a strong position. A couple deeper receivers, Deshaun Davis, Milan Tucker, but man, I just don't know how Miami, Ohio scores. So it's just a lean for me. I think you're looking at App State or pass. I also considered a Miami, Ohio under on their team total. That's not available to me yet, but I'm sure if you're in a legal state, you could probably find it. 
that's about it. It's just the quarterback situation with Miami, Ohio. Like Ben, how do they score? I really don't, you know, it's a 45 and a half point total. And I think that might be generous to be honest. Same. Uh, uh, yeah, I hear you. This could be an ugly game and app state's defense is not a sieve by any stretch. So that's going to be an ugly one. Uh, this is now we're getting, this is right in my wheelhouse, the new Mexico bowl. So new Mexico state playing in their state against Fresno state. You've got an interesting spread here. Uh, again, competitive, but new Mexico state is a three and a half point favorite. What are we looking at personnel-wise, uh, and do you have a lean in this one? I wanted to bet Fresno State, but I've also kind of been betting Fresno State since Mikey Keene came back from injury. Yep. He's just been – I don't know how – he. it looks like he's still playing through an injury, but you know now they have the extra rest. That loss to San Diego State at the end of the year was just absolutely brutal. I was on Fresno in that game, and he's played poorly. There's no way around it. His year-long stats look fantastic. Then if you isolate like his last four games, man, it's it's been pathetic. But ultimately, this team does have a pretty good offensive line. They're great in pass blocking. Their year-long stats as a whole are good. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to buy Fresno, but I don't know if you need to do it right now. The other thing I think you could look at if you're a little worried about Mikey Keene, which I certainly am, is over 51. New Mexico State is a great offense. They're 43rd overall. Diego Pavi is healthy. He got knocked out of their conference championship game, but everything indicates he's going to return. Fresno's really struggled against the run. They're 91st there. And they've gotten handled a couple times by dual threat signal callers. Jaden Maiden just run ran for 6.9 yards per carry, 96 total yards against them in their season finale. So I do think Pavia can have success through the air and on the ground. And on the other side, we just saw New Mexico State lose his starting quarter to the portal. This team was already 92nd in total defense, 96th in coverage. Mikey Keene, his strength is through the air. They have great receivers. They go four deep there. And they, they can run the ball with Sherrod when they want to. New Mexico State 75th in total defense. Pacing doesn't line up here, but man, I'm considering just an over from the explosive offenses on both sides. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, we saw, I, I know pacing never lines up with them, but even against snail pace Liberty, uh, New Mexico State was moving the ball up and down the field. And then Pavia got hurt. They put in that blaze character and he was all right, <laughs> but he's just not Pavia. So I get it. Fresno State's been an enigma to me. Uh, if I had to bet a side, I would lay the points with New Mexico State. I just can't. I, I, I'm i done with Fresno State, but I get it. And over there, 51, it is readily available. Uh, that could be an actionable spot. And again, we've got 41 bowl games. Uh, sometimes you're going to have to resort to those type of plays. We've got in California, the, the Los Angeles Bowl, Boise State and UCLA, uh, eight and five and seven and five squads. Four-point spread. Bruins are the favorite. Are they healthy? Are they equipped to deal with Boise State? I'm not a fan of Boise State, but what are we looking at here? I laid the points with UCLA at two and a half. I was debating before the show whether to consider this at four, and I I think you can. UCLA obviously has some opt-out stuff you need to watch. They've been hitting the portal already. So just to look at those guys on offense, Cam Brown, he was a rotational. He was like their wide receiver three. He portal Dante more portal not a huge deal they only played in part of the year anyway Carson Ryan at tight end but on defense Kamari Ramsey William Nemo and John Humphreys all from the secondary hit the portal lie to lots who's going to opt out I would be shocked if he played he's their NFL edge rusher he's likely a top five pick but then you have a couple other guys which I think are ripe for either portaling or the NFL like Alex Johnson Kenny Churchwell Gabriel Murphy I think you need to watch every single one of those names but this team is still deep, and I think they're better than Boise overall. 
who had Taylor Green hit the portal. Maddox Max and Maddox Madsen, excuse me, their other quarterbacks already out for the year. So now you're on a third or fourth string quarterback. I don't even know who they're going to start. The candidates are Colt Fulton and CJ Tiller, both three star recruits. I none of them have even played. Fulton has eight snaps, Tiller is two. So complete unknowns there. You're already down a ton of options at receiver. McAllister's gone. Cobbs is gone. Whiting and Penry are hurt. They didn't have their center, Garrett Kern, in the conference championship. Defense is fairly healthy, but they're 105th in total defense to begin with, 97th against the run. So to me, I'm not sure UCLA gets stops, but I know Boise's not getting any. And you can just fall back on Carson Steele, whether it's Colin Schley or Ethan Garbers or a combination. I don't really care. Sturdivant's still there. Loy is still there anticipating him playing. Your offensive line is mostly intact. They're 26th in run blocking. So even if your defense has some extra opt-outs or transfers for UCLA, I still think they can play a style of game that limits Boise and scores themselves. So I'm willing to lay the points. I think I would still take the current number. Where are you at on this game? Yeah, it's still taking pressure. And there's a couple rogue three and a halfs. It is juicy. So you're you're not going to get minus 110 at three and a half. But still, uh, you mentioned the thing about UCLA. I feel like most of the other part, like they've got, I'm not saying they're the best quarterbacks in the world, but they've got some of these guys. They've seen plenty of reps. They've got a backfield. Uh, I'm not, I don't know who the boy you mentioned. If you don't know who the Boise quarterback is, I certainly don't. Those sound like made up people. Uh, no offense. <laughs> I think it's like you stop Genty, you probably win this game. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that they might be able to do that. Uh, I'm fine with it at four. I really am. I, I still think we can do that. All right. Uh, Cal and texas tech i believe uh yes this is the last game of december 16th so this is the first day of bowl season and we're going to get these all out of the way we've got two six and six teams playing in the independence bowl uh again not the best teams in the world it is a competitive spread though texas tech is about a two and a half to three point favorite depending on where you look where do you go in this one I think you take the two and a half. I, I have a three, which is the only bad number on my card so far, okay. which I'm like, I'm very surprised by this. So I think the biggest transfer opt out was Monroe Mills for Texas Tech. He's their left tackle. He hit the portal. They had a bunch of like rotational receivers at the portal. The biggest one being Miles Price, but nobody you're really worried about after that. So, I mean, can you patch the left tackle situation? It is a mismatch. Cal's 31st in pass rush. I will say Texas Tech is phenomenal pass blocking 16th. So I do think this isn't that big of a deal. And then you also had Caleb Elams or one of the starting edge rushers for Cal hit the portal. Jeremiah Airby hit the portal too at corner. When I look at my power ratings for these two teams, I have Texas Tech significantly ahead. On defense, they're 87th. They're 90th against the run. So you basically just got to focus on stopping Jaden Ott. But Cal's defense is 106. They lost their best defender, Jackson Sermon, way earlier in the year. Elam Zor, their best edge rusher, he hit the portal. Irby hit the portal. Like, I don't know if you generate as much pressure without these guys. They're outside the top 100 in every other major statistical category on defense. So if that's the case, man, I just have Texas Tech way ahead of this Cal team who doesn't really have the room to lose these guys. Cal probably scores a little bit. They're pretty decent on offense. Mendoza's been good. I do like some of their receivers and Hunter, and I love Ott, but man, this Texas Tech team's still going to run the air raid. And for all the receivers they lost, you still have Eakin. You still have Dre McCray. You still have Jaron Bradley. Like, they're so deep at that position. I'm not really worried about the departures. So I'll lay the points. That's fine with me. I'm all about short and Cal. Did it all year. Did it with their win total. It was grease. There's a lot going on. 
with I lost squad. that. That win total, man. That was just pure stupidity. Uh, but no, I, I'm with you. Texas Tech, and it has dropped. Again, uh, there's some two and a halfs. There are some threes out there. So it's it's right in line, as you can see. Again, odd chopper. Uh, this is one of the many things we got going on there. And in a minute, after we do a couple more games, I'm going to tell you we have an exclusive betting you offer for just our loyal listeners. You will not find this anywhere else. Going to unveil it in just a couple minutes. But let's keep going. We're through day one. Now we get to the Hilltoppers and the Monarchs. Uh, where are we? A famous toastery bowl in North Carolina. Of course, of course. Uh, this is a game, actually, one of them that caught my eye right off the bat. I do like Old Dominion in this game. The more important question is, do you like them? It's sitting at two and a half points. Yeah, I love them. I took them at one and a half. I thought this would move more, honestly. So this comes down. Like, what in the world are we doing? But I understand Old Dominion can't really score that well, but here's who's gone from Western Kentucky. They're down at least three offensive linemen. So Vincent Murphy, Quantavius Leslie, Wes Dorsley all hit the portal. That's three starters. Mark Good missed their last game at tackle. So, I mean, I don't know if he plays. Maybe they're down four linemen. On defense, Upton Stout, your best safety, portal. Desmond Baker, best linebacker, portal. Tavares Springer, corner, portal. Talik Allen, your, your other safety opposite Stout, portal. Your other best linebacker, like three of your four best players, Upton Stout, Desmond Baker, Jaquez Evans, two are in the portal. Jaquez Evans hasn't played in weeks for, because of injury. Who is playing defense for Western Kentucky? So even, yeah, Old Dominion doesn't score well. But, I mean, you're literally playing just a slew of backups for this Western Kentucky team. Just for quick reference, Old Dominion doesn't really have that many portals to worry about. Jordan Blind, Javon Harvey, that was your third leading receiver, and Bly is just completely dead. They did lose a rotational D-tackle, Devin Brandt-Epps, and a starting safety, Terry Jones, but just by far the more intact team here. I'll lay the points. Can't believe this is under a field goal still. Me neither. I don't understand this. You mentioned it. I thought Old Dominion, even if both teams were at full strength, had a real chance to hang in this game. And now you've mentioned uh, the Western Kentucky's offensive line is in shambles, missing key pieces in that secondary. Old Dominion will make enough plays. 55 and a half point total kind of shows us that they're expecting both teams to score at a healthy clip. I think that favors Old Dominion in this spot. Anything inside three and you can find it. Uh, we move to Marshall. And UTSA got another, again, these type of games. This is the first game, though, that we've talked about where there's a, a pretty significant spread. Is that warranted? Should UTSA be a double-digit favorite as they currently are? Probably not. But so <laughs> if you force me to make a pick in the game, I guess I would say UTSA. So I won't spend too much time on this. Marshall has a bad quarterback situation, and they lost their starter, Fancher, to the portal. They also lost one of their starting alignment, Trent Holler. Their starting tight end, Cade Conley, who's been among their best pass catchers, has been out. Two safeties have been out for this team as well, too. Dayton Smith and J.J. Roberts. That's injury, not portaling. But, I mean, this team is still awesome on defense. They're basically top 25 in every single major category, 17th overall. They're going to have a huge advantage with their pass rush against a shoddy UTSA offensive line. She's gotten Frank Harris killed multiple times. But this is also Frank Harris' last college game. Do we really want to fade him in that spot? Receivers are mostly healthy. I will say the defense is terrible. They're one-tenth in coverage. Not that Marshall can throw on you, but their best player in the AAC Player of the Year on defense, Trey Moore's in the portal. Man, there's so many moving parts where I'm not going to lay 10 points with UTSA. 
you're doing like bowl pools and stuff, that'd be the team I pick. But man, I, and I don't think you can play Marshall with this backup quarterback situation. Fancher is already awful. <laughs> How bad is the guy behind him? I mean, I, I don't know. Full pass for me. Bad, bad game. I will say uh, the one actionable thing, the line is bouncing all over the place. It is a little juicy on both sides, but you can find plus 10 and a half and you can also find minus nine and a half. So if you have an angle that you want to play in this game, just make sure you're getting on the right book. I would not lay 10 and a half unnecessarily. I'm not going to be betting this game, but just a, a, a shout out to the game itself. Make sure you are shopping that. Uh, all right. The next game, the Boca Raton Bowl. We've got South Florida and we've got Syracuse. Uh, this is a game, of course, sadly, I can't bet even if I wanted to because I'm in New York, but we do have uh, a three point spread for Syracuse. Talk to me about the orange. Is that where we want to go? Yeah, I, I'm going to bet Syracuse, but I don't okay. think you're really incentivized to right now. USF has taken a ton of money, which I I think this is just largely like the coaching change for Syracuse because they, they honestly haven't lost a lot of players, at least from the season. USF, I think, makes a bowl off a really bad conference schedule. Like the AAC is terrible this year. So they get in beating backup Trexler Ivy, beating backup Daniel Richardson, beating Rice in a game where JT Daniels got hurt, beating Florida AM, beating Navy, and then Temple. So I mean, like, this is the worst, maybe the worst six wins of any bowl team. Syracuse is a legitimate, like, power five team. They've morphed their offense, but I mean, still beating teams like Wake Forest and Pitt. Those are better wins than anything USF has on the board. And I, I don't think you're really dealing with any opt-outs or injuries or anything like that outside of what we already knew. The only guy who hit the portals, Leon Lowry, is like a really middling edge rusher. Wisconsin took him. I don't know why they did that. But otherwise, like Gadsden, Pena, they've been out for the year. Like they haven't been playing with these guys at all. So this morphed Syracuse offense, which is using Dan Valari as, I don't even know, a wildcat quarterback splitting time with Schrader. It's gotten them some wins, and it's actually looked pretty decent. You still have LaQuint Allen. The receivers are okay. Your defense is 39th, and the only guy you lost was a rotational edge. I Man, I'm, I'm surprised Syracuse isn't taking money. The only reason I haven't bet is because you might get like a two and a half or something if it's not already available. Yeah, again, keep an eye on it. Uh, Syracuse, to their credit, they did, they did morph an offense into a kind of a cool product, a little different than what we see, but I'll give them, I'll give them some respect. All right, one more, and then we'll get into some cool cool deals and offers. We've got UCF and Georgia Tech. It's a four-and-a-half-point spread for UCF. This is a team, uh, if you've watched betting you all year, they've been on our cards a lot to pretty good success at times, particularly when they're healthy. The big question here is who's in and who's out because Georgia Tech is a team I've backed quite a bit myself. Yeah, this is my favorite bowl game. Just from a viewing perspective, make this game a priority. A ton of players are still in the game. The major injuries and portal stuff for UCF is in the secondary. Jakari Henderson and DeJordan Mask, two players there, had season-ending surgery, so you won't see them. Corey Thornton, their best defender overall at corner, he hit the portal. And Jarrell Wilson at safety has been missing time with injury. No word on his status. That's really the only injuries or portal stuff you need to know. Unfortunately, it's just all in the secondary, which honestly probably helps the overall game from a viewing perspective. Georgia Tech. Their main absences are also on defense. You had Keenan Johnson and at corner and Kyle Kennard hit the portal. That's two of their top defenders production wise. So I think this game actually has some shootout potential if it didn't already. Two high powered offenses, two awesome dual threat quarterbacks with Haynes King, John Rice Plumley. 
it looks like their skill position players are all going to play. So Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson, RJ Harvey, John Rice Plumley all project to play. Haynes King, Jamal Haynes at running back, all those receivers all project to play. Good pacing. And you have, whether it's portal or injury, defense is not at full strength. I kind of like an over at 64 and a half. It's a ton of points. I haven't, I wanted to hear what you thought, but man, I'm really debating actually playing this. Yeah, 64. I have no problem with an over. I struggle with the side just because, again, I really like these teams. I was hoping that UCF might have some opt-outs and I, I could actionably take Georgia Tech. I do lean with Georgia Tech. I, I really like what they've done. I thought all their SEC transfers really gelled well offensively this year for them. Uh, it was just a volume play and some of them worked out. It's a tough game, though. I think if I was backing anything, I, I'd join you on the over before I took a side. Yeah, I'm going to play this over. Wanted to hear what you thought. Yeah. Come on in. The water is warm. All right. I know I've said this like three times, but now I'm actually going to tell you what we got going on here because, of course, it has been an just unbelievable season. If you've been with us the whole year, we appreciate it. If you're just hopping in for the bowl games, we appreciate it. Uh, and lucky you, you're going to be part of this. We are going to give you. We are dropping an exclusive promo just on this show right now. I'm going to bring it up on the screen, and I'm going to talk about it for just a few minutes here. Odd Shopper Premium, if you have not heard, we have combined everything together. So the picks, the Discord, the community that everybody loves used to be separate. It's now all together with our tools. All those tools that you have seen, uh, you know, I'll probably display them at some point, but not just the shopping, but we're talking about market-based approaches. EV, Arbitrage, Parlay Builder, all that type of stuff. It's all in one package now. And if you want this, if you want to test it out, if you want to see, you have until Saturday. Again, once the games kick off, this is going away. But if you're watching this, 50% off your first week or month. Doesn't matter if you've been there before. Use the code CFB2023. So you go to Odd Shop. The link is below. You click that link and you subscribe. When you get to checkout, just type in CFB 2023 and watch your payment go down. You're talking about a couple bucks a day. Uh, you get to test drive all those tools. You get in our discord, you get those picks, get to talk through everything. It's a great deal. It's a great opportunity. We will see you in there. Uh, couldn't be more excited. And it's just a thank you for everybody. This is not going to be something that's company wide or anything. It's just for people watching this show. You're seeing it. Take advantage. We'd love to have you as part of the team. Let's keep it going. Because we've got so many bowl games. We're doing good. Uh, we go to this. Is, now, this is a cool bowl. Duke and Troy. Troy's a seven and a half point favorite. I have a feeling that's personnel related. Talk to me about who's in and who's out in this game. Yeah, Duke's missing a ton. Riley Leonard, at quarterback, hitting the portal. Jordan Waters at running back. That's a position of depth. So don't really worry too much there. They've had a ton of injuries on the offensive line. Scott Elliott and Justin Pickett, two interior guys, missed their last game. No idea if they'll be back. And Graham Barton, he projects to be a first-round NFL talent, at least. I, I think maybe day two. But, I mean, this is a guy that is at least getting first-round hype. I think there's a good chance he opts out of this game. On defense, Miles Jones at corner has been out for a while now. He's their best defender. You then had Dorian Mossy at linebacker, Jalen Stinson at corner, Aeneas Peebles on the D-line, and R.J. Oban on the edge at the portal. You just can't sustain that kind of departures if you're a team like Duke. Duke had pretty solid starters this year. Their depth is just, it's horrible. And now you're looking at all backups, essentially a new coaching staff coming in against Troy, who has 
essentially no injuries, no absences, no transfers. Now, Troy struggled in their only other time really going against Power 5 competition. They got clobbered by Kansas State. That was a fully healthy Kansas State. I'm probably not going to bet this game, but I do believe it's Troy or pass. Like, I just don't know how Duke scores against this Troy defense, which is 10th in the country and first against the run. And again, you'll be facing backup Duke quarterbacks. I do think they try to run. Don't think they have success. Yeah, I'm a fan of Troy. I was I was fortunate to get them through in the conference championship game. I love that defense. Love that rushing attack. Uh, games in Birmingham. Sign me up for Troy. They will get it done, and I don't think this will be particularly close. Just different team right now. This is a fun game. <laughs> maybe maybe it's not a fun game, but I'm going to try to make it a fun game. Northern Illinois and Arkansas State. Uh, Arkansas State early in the year seemed not likely to get to a bowl game. I'll put it to you like that. I think they get credit for for kind of rallying. They found something at quarterback. Super close. Basically a pick em. So who wins this game? I kind of want to back Arkansas State again. Yeah, wanted to hear, yeah, wanted to hear what you thought. But just generally speaking, I don't think the MAC is the strongest conference. In fact, I think it's the worst. You look at Northern Illinois' wins. Somehow they beat Boston College, and then you know they follow it up with an FCS loss. You know, just classic MAC stuff. But then their other wins are against Akron with a backup quarterback, Ohio, who's not the strongest addition of their team, Eastern Michigan, who's awful, Western, who fell at the end of the year, and Kent State. I mean, you have one legitimate win, which a game they clearly should have lost against Boston College. I don't really buy this Northern Illinois team. Their top two receivers are gone, and it, it might even be worse than that. Like, Kaspar Ruchkiewicz hasn't played in multiple weeks. I think he's out for the year. Their number one receiver, Rudolph, hit the portal. Davis Patterson missed their last game, and Jalen Johnson only made it through nine snaps before getting hurt. I legitimately don't know who's playing wide receiver for Northern Illinois, which I think is going to be a problem. On Arkansas State, this team is mostly healthy. You had two guys on defense leave, Jordan Clark and Javante Mackey. He was a linebacker. But I still think this team has a better body of work. They just beat Texas State 77-31. to Other wins against Louisiana, Louisiana-Monroe. I mean, like, these are legitimate teams where Northern Illinois had one lucky victory. So it's a close spread. I think this could be, like, shootout area. And if it gets to that, I don't like Northern Illinois with all their departures, injuries, whatever you want to call it on offense, at receiver especially. You know where I'm going. Obviously, I've been back in Arkansas State to varying degrees of success. I love this team. They can score. I think they've gotten so much better over the course of the year. Rolling with whatever they are. I think they're the Red Wolves. Uh, give me Arkansas State. Again, you can find plus one. They're also minus one at other books. Just shop it around. Always, always shop. Uh, we've talked about some, some high-power games. This is not going to be that. This is a cool matchup, but I just don't even understand what happened to Air Force this year. They were doing so well, then they got so injured. Now they're here against James Madison, who I didn't even think was supposed to be in a bowl. I guess they are. There weren't enough teams. Two and a half point spread, 41 point total. Where do we go in this sluggish defensive oriented matchup? Yeah, I wanted to take Air Force plus three, and then I just, I don't know what happened. I just missed it. <laughs> two and a half. I would play the three, maybe two and a half, debating it, but. So James Madison lost their coach. He's up to Indiana. And obviously this team's getting raided in the portal on defense, especially Tarsh Jones at linebacker, Aiden Fishin at linebacker, Mikhail Kamara at edge, James Carpenter on the interior, all in the portal. On the offensive line, Tayshawn Wyatt's been out. Nick Kidwell's off for the year. 
Tyler Stevens hit the portal. Running back Kalen Black's in the portal. Jordan McLeod's in the portal. Allegedly, he's going to play in this game. But, man, I mean, you're looking at seven or eight starters probably not going to play in some capacity for this James Madison team, especially on defense. That's huge. This team was 10th overall, fourth against the run. Air Force is the opposite. Their coach actually gave us some injury information. Couldn't believe it. Zach Larrier's practicing already. Jared Rosnos, Dane Kinnaman. They're all expected back. The latter two are receivers. Emmanuel Michelle already returned in their most recent game. Then on defense, Jerome Gallier Jr. and C.J. Boyd in the secondary project to be healthier as well. So you're, you're getting Air Force back to full strength. We know this team cares about bowl games year in, year out. They have some of the best, I don't know what to call it, motivation of any team really. So they get up for these games. James Madison with Signani moving on and a lot of these players moving on, not sure what the motivation is outside of it. I mean, they are playing in a bowl, which is very rare for this team. But yeah, would play the three, debating the two and a half. Yeah, I like Air Force. I, I, it's it's tough for me because Air Force was a team that I really thought had a chance to actually be like undefeated, kind of like James Madison for a little while. Um, and it didn't work out. I still think if you're going to give me a couple points, it's two and a half everywhere. I would take them. I'd even look to a money line. If you're in a bowl pick them pool, this could be one of the upsets straight up. It's a minor upset. I don't think it's kind of that crazy at all. This is another game that is very similar. you got a one-point spread between Utah State and Georgia State. Uh, teams we've seen, Utah State's been using all sorts of quarterbacks. Who's going to be under center, and, and where's the pick? I actually don't know because okay. Lega had the shoulder injury. McKay Hillstead had the ankle injury. Levi Williams is joining the Navy SEALs. I don't know when I he saw leaves. that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know when he leaves. But honestly – I don't know if it matters. Like all three have been above average college signal callers. They have a very good problem on their hands where, I mean, I think you honestly feel comfortable running out any of the three. This team is by far the healthier team. The the team that doesn't have as many departures. It's just Devin die in the portal at safety. He's the only guy for Utah state, Georgia state, man, this team's losing it. Not a lot, but they're losing some real producers, Robert Lewis, Wide receiver one, transferred to Auburn. Marcus Carroll at running back. I believe he transferred to Missouri. One of their offensive tackles, Montavious Cunningham's gone. Your best corner, Bryquise Brown. Jalen Tate at linebacker. I mean, I, I missed the best number on this, but Utah State at a pick em. This is a team I really like going against a team in Georgia State, which just can't. You can't absorb these losses. Like power rating-wise, I already had Georgia State. 101st in offense and 109th on defense. They've won a very couple very close games to get to bowl eligibility. Now you're moving best receiver, best running back, perhaps your best tackle, a corner, and a linebacker. I just don't know how you sustain this against Utah, who's 54th on offense, and then 124th on defense. They, they are very bad there. I'll roll with Utah State. No problem with that. It's a team you mentioned. It is a good problem for, for a team of that level to have capable signal callers like that. Uh, we've seen all these guys play, and and someone's going to be under center. Okay, now we're getting Eastern Michigan and South Alabama. The Jaguars getting a lot of love. 15.5-point favorite, and it's taking pressure. Seen it even higher just looking at, at the odds here. Uh, yeah, it's up to 17 in a couple spots, 16, 16.5. Is that warranted? I know Eastern Michigan and their offense was not good to begin with. Eastern Michigan's the worst team that made a bowl. They lost their quarterback, Austin Smith, to the portal. I don't know where he thinks he's going to go. <laughs> On defense, Micah Coleman at linebacker, portal, TJPV at safety. He's been out for a long time. I mean, this team just doesn't have any good players. But 
am I really going to lay like 17 points with South Alabama? Who's, I mean, they've had, they had legitimate like NFL talent. Colin Lacey hit the portal. Devin Voisin, their other receivers been offered the year with an ACL. LaDamian Webb's off to the NFL. I mean, at tackle, you've had Josh McCullough and Jordan Davis injured. So, I mean, if, if these guys play, I probably am just going to lay the points with South Alabama, but I'm not going to do this right now. I'm going to wait and see who's actually going to play for this team before betting it. A really hard game to bet. Terrible game. 47-point total, too. So, like, it just shows you what the team total expectations are for Eastern Michigan. Maybe an uh, under? Yeah, I, I, get, I don't even know. It's just such a bad game. Um it's so it's the Eastern Michigan stinks, man. I would have rather had just about any team. Yeah, they should just let the uh, they should let South Dakota State in take them on. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be Utah and Northwestern. This isn't going to be a, a shootout by any stretch, but, you know, at least some some teams that are, are somewhat capable. Another question to go. It's the same story. What does Utah have left? Uh, what's Northwestern about? Credit to them for getting to a bowl. I thought that was an impossibility this year. Seven-point spread. What do you see in this game? Yeah, they should take all that money that Jimbo Fisher had left over and give it to whoever this Northwestern guy is that took over an impossible situation, got to a bowl. Like, he should win Coach of the Year, whatever awards they have in college football for coaches. Unbelievable performance. What Utah has left is their fifth-string walk-on quarterback, Batari, who played horrible in his only start. Cam Rising still out. Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson at the portal. I mean, at receiver, Mikey Matthews, Makai Cope at the portal. Devon Vele's off to the NFL. Tight end, Brant Keithy and Thomas Yasmin are still injured. On the offensive line, Jared Crump at center has been out. On defense, Lander Barton at linebacker is out for the year. Logan Fano at edges off for the year. Jonah Ellis at edges off for the year. Starting corner, Jatravis Broughton hit the portal. I mean, like at some point, this team just has so many departures, injuries. I don't know how you back them in any circumstance. Northwestern is everybody playing, really. Just Josh Preeb hit the portal on their interior offensive line. That's it. I mean, every single major pass rusher for Utah is gone or injured. I'm, ta- I'm taking the points with Northwestern. I don't care. This is going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a really low scoring game. You're giving me a touchdown with a team that's essentially fully healthy. Ben Bryant playing in his last college game. Pretty decent receivers. Kurtz is going to play. Porter is going to play. Everyone except Preeb on the offensive line. They don't really have any injuries. I mean, fully healthy, no portal losses. Give me Northwestern. Any interest in like plus 235? Yeah, I have a lot of interest in that. Like, Utah's playing a fifth string walk on, Luke Batari. <laughs> He's and their offensive line is already terrible. They have a 35 and a half percent pressure rate allowed. Like this team stinks. Don't need to convince me. I'm not a fan of Utah. Uh, been trying to short them as much as I can all year. Coastal, this is a cool game. This is an underrated game, in my opinion. We've got Coastal Carolina and we've got San Jose State out in on the island in Honolulu. It's a pretty lofty spread, though. You're talking about a, a 10 point spread for San Jose State. That a product of personnel, or are they just playing that well right now? They are playing well, albeit against really bad teams. They had that what five or six game win streak to close the yep. year. I did play them at seven and a half, but what I've been debating is honestly buying back at Coastal if this gets to ten and a half or eleven or something, something closer to two scores. With Coastal, you have a lot of departures. Grayson McCall's gone. Backup quarterback Jared Guess is gone. 
CJ Beasley has gone at running back. What I'll say is they use about eight running backs. It doesn't matter. And honestly, a quarterback, Ethan Vosco's played reasonably well as their third stringer too. So I don't know how big of a difference that makes. Receiver is huge though. You lose Jared Brown and Tyson Mobley. Now you'll have to rely solely on Sam Pinckney. It's not a position of relative strength. Defense is okay. You lost JT Killen at linebacker and Juan Powell at corner. So can they make up? for some of these absences because San Jose state is fully healthy. No absences in the portal right now. I don't really anticipate any, you do maybe have some guys that could opt out like Kyrie Robinson, but honestly, probably not. But ultimately this defense still is awful. They're one twenty eighth against the run San Jose state. That is coastal's defense has been very giving lately as well. So, I mean, I, I think right away you have two defenses that are probably just going to give up a ton of production on the ground. But man, at, at some point, this has gone pretty far for Ethan Vosco, who's a quarterback that has great mobility. You still have a ton of running backs for Coastal. I still like Pinkney. I don't know. I'm considering buying back at a certain point here. Also not really opposed to an over. Over kind of caught my eye as well. You mentioned that run defense. I think San Jose State will move the ball. 53 and a half, minus 112. And again, plus or minus shop it on Odd Chopper. I'm on board with that. Tough game to bet. I would take the points, I think, even though, I don't know, I go back and forth because I've been back in San Jose State. I thought they were the best team at the end of the Mountain West. They just didn't get a chance. So a little little tough situation there. Oh, boy. I don't even know. You know, Bowling Green, if you would have told me they only had like two wins, I wouldn't have said anything. But apparently they won enough Georgia Tech-like upsets to find themselves in a bowl against Minnesota. I don't know if that's a punishment or a reward. It's a 38 point total. Oh man. Uh, What do we do here? It's a four point spread. Good for Bowling Green for getting here. I actually love this game from a betting perspective. I can't believe Minnesota's minus four. I would lay this through like seven. I know it's going to be a slow defensive type game, but man, Bowling Green is rotating quarterbacks with Camden North and Connor Baz. Like they're both bad. You've had a couple guys hit the portal, like Terry and Stewart at running back hit the portal. That's that's big for them. He's one of their best players on this team. Nick Mosley also hit the portal on defense. Jalen Husky, I think he might be their best overall defender. He's a corner. He's gone. He hit the portal. You already didn't have Demetrius Hardeman at run, or at edge. Trent Sims at safety has missed their last couple games. Like Bowling Green can't sustain any losses. If you have even a couple, I think it's impactful for this team. Minnesota did have a couple guys leave, mainly Ethan Kaliak-Manis. I don't honestly know how much that matters. He had a terrible year. And their backup, Cole Kramer, he's not, you know, like Steven Jelly from Notre Dame or something who hasn't played a snapper like the Boise guys. This guy has come in and played situationally. They'll use him on occasion as a wildcat guy. To give you a comparison, Cole Kramer reminds me a lot of a Garrett Green for West Virginia. And I think that's how they're going to use him as a runner, try to hand the ball off, use him as an extension of the run game and then throw situationally. Like don't expect Minnesota to increase their throw rate at all. Offensive line's pretty good for this team and Bowling Green's defense while decent, they're still 64th against the run. That's their worst trait. And they played a max schedule. I think Minnesota just runs the ball down their throat with whoever plays running back ton of injuries there, but it hasn't mattered. You now have Cole Kramer to help you in that regard. You also got healthier on defense. We talked about like them using ninth string linebackers in their most recent game. They returned some guys. So I think their defense will be better too. I just flat out can't believe this is for. 
Yeah, I mean, it's Minnesota, but I, I it's hard for me to argue with that. You know, they again, also lost to Bowling Green two years ago. Well, yeah, that is true. It's like a 30 point. Bowling Green is a giant killer. They have one or two every year where they do that. <laughs> uh, I mean, now this next game, I feel like for us as, as a team here, this is near and dear to both our hearts. Rice and Texas State, two of our favorites. We both sport uh, some love for these schools. It's a four and a half point spread, only 59 and a half. I thought that might be higher. But what do we got here? Texas State is another team I'm obsessed with. The game's in Texas, the first responders bowl. Okay. Uh, good stuff there. And we've got Texas Tech in their prolific offense. What do you see here? Can they rack up the points with Rice? I think so. JT Daniels retired. So you have AJ Paget under center, who's been awful. Guy can't run. He's he's essentially like a poor a poor man's JT Daniels, pocket statue with way less passing efficiency. Jack Bradley at tight end, Braylon Walker at receiver missed some time. Otherwise, you don't really have any opt-outs on in either side. Not really a lot of transfer transfer portal guys. So right away, even with JT Daniels, had Texas State 46th in efficiency, Rice at 77th. Now you project a step back. On defense, Texas State 61st, Rice at 84th. Rice also very bad against the run, which is an issue when you start looking at like Mahdi at running back. And however often they decide to take Finley out and use Hornsby on the ground. It's probably going to be somewhat of a shootout. I don't know if Rice can do their part with a backup signal caller. But yeah, we know Texas State's going to score points. I love them in game environments like this. I think four and a half is fine. I don't know if you need to bet it now. I wouldn't be surprised to see Rice take some money. But I also don't think this gets out of hand. So maybe you wait, but I like Texas State. I'm with you. I'm certainly going to be back in my guys. They'll be ready to go. Prolific offense. Uh, we're starting to get to some some more games where we've seen these teams quite a bit. Uh, and, and UNLV and Kansas, two teams that have been on the card at various points this year. Talk to me again. It's all about that personnel. You've got Kansas as a pretty sizable favorite, 12 and a half, give or take, 64 and a half point total. Is that just talent disparity or is UNLV missing key pieces? I think a lot of it is talent disparity. The only player who's really opted out of this game from from a consequence perspective is Jaden Maeva at quarterback. UNLV has a nice problem where Doug Brumfeld has started many, many games for this team. So I don't know how big of a drop-off it truly is. But this team also has a lot of concerns. 77th in total defense, 112th in coverage, 49th against the run. That's playing a Mountain West schedule. Kansas hasn't really had any opt-outs at all, which somewhat surprising. But I mean, three wide receivers, Luke Grimm highlighting that list, Lawrence Arnold all projected to play, Devin Neal projected to play, Jason Bean projected to play in his final college game of his career. Defense has been awesome. They're 25th in coverage, a little more giving against opposing ground attacks. But man, Mello Dotson has been awesome for this team. Kobe Bryant at corner, like they're really good in the secondary no opt-outs or major injuries there. I mean, Kansas is healthy at the right time if you're trying to back them in this game. I took them at minus 11. It hasn't moved through any key numbers. So honestly, I think current numbers just fine here. You want to do like money line parlays and stuff. I think this is a great piece to add for bowl season. If you're doing like one, one quick other thing, uh, if you're doing like a confidence pool, this one would be towards the top in terms yes. of straight up winners. Yes. Okay. I agree. Uh yeah, I've seen some. I've seen some early, you know, KU. We got Daniels and Daniels Heisman talk anyway, but that'll be that'll be Daniels for sure. Daniels. That'll be a show for next year. Tulane 
and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's another team. I'll be honest. I didn't think they were going to make one. Seven and a half point favorites. Here they are. Good for them. Uh, what's going on with Tulane? 46 point total. Who's in and who's out here? Tulane has a ton of guys on defense gone. Corey Platt at linebacker. DJ Douglas at corner. Keith Cooper Jr. Defensive tackle. Devine Deal at defensive line. Kentra Webb at corner. Probably five or six starters, depending on how you classify snaps. On offense, Chris Brazell hit the portal. Lawrence Keyes has been out. Two of your top three receivers. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Pratt opts out of the game. I don't know. Just so many departures in Tulane. A team that had taken a step back from last year, so you can't really sustain some of these losses. It's not like I love Virginia Tech either, but man, this team, the only guy Georgia, or excuse me, Virginia Tech really lost that was a real contributor was Derek Canteen. They had a couple of like rotational guys in offense, Daquan Wright at tight end, Dwayne Lofton at receiver, but those aren't full-time players. So, I mean, I don't love Kyron Drones. I don't love Tootin. I don't love the offensive line. But man, I mean, they, at least they're the day one starters for this team, whereas Tulane is down everybody. Probably not going to bet it, but I think it's VT or pass. Yeah, keep an eye on this one again. Make sure you shop it because it is at seven in the hook right now. Uh, these games are still, you know, again, we're doing this show to preview every game. We're talking about weeks away. So we can and will get news. This is why you want to stay up to date. Again, you can join us. Link is below. Odd Chopper Premium. Use that special code. Uh, CFB 2023 at checkout. It's just available until Saturday, December 16th. Get on in there. You can always sign up, but you won't get that 50% off till afterwards. All right. Uh, we got UNC and West Virginia. I'm sure no surprise to you. Saw it flash on the screen yesterday. Uh, Drake May going to the draft. That's not a surprise. Top end pick. What's going on with this game? You've got West Virginia as a five and a half point favorite. I took them at minus three, which I'll just sit on. I don't know if I would take a five and a half, but I am interested in an over. For North okay. Carolina, obviously, you've got Drake May gone. They've also had a couple other injuries and departures among their pass catchers. You lost Bryson Nesbitt, who's like a receiver tight end hybrid. He's injured. John Copenhaver's also injured at tight end. Tight end three, Kamari Morales at the portal, so I don't know who they're going to use there. A couple of rotational receivers are gone. And then keep your eye on Tez Walker. I don't know if he's going to play or not. If he does, I actually kind of have interest in an over here. And starting with the departures on West Virginia, this team has a lot of injuries and players that have portaled out in the secondary. Hershey McLaurin at safety portaled out. Lance Dixon at linebacker portaled out. Michael Lockhart at defensive line portaled out. But then you had a ton of injuries already this year in the secondary. Keyshawn Cobb at safety. Marcus Lloyd at safety, and then another edge rusher, Tyron Bradley, missed their last game. So I think this over hinges on backup quarterback Connor Harrell, who has 21 career snaps, only has six career attempts, but this guy's a dual threat. He had over 300 yards rushing in his final two college seasons. He's playing behind a good offensive line, which projects to be mostly healthy here. And then you always have Omari and Hampton to fall back on at running back, who's not eligible for the draft. <coughs> Excuse me. Hampton's not right. eligible for the draft, so he has to play. You're going to have Nate McCollum. If you have Tez Walker, I still kind of like the weapons for North Carolina against a depleted West Virginia defense. And then on the other side, West Virginia is going to score. None of their guys are, are really old enough to enter the draft. I mean, maybe Garrett Green could, but he's not good enough either. But as a college quarterback, good mobility, 
playing behind an elite offensive line, two good running backs in Jaheim White, C.J. Donaldson, good receivers everywhere too for West Virginia. This team's going to score. Basically, the whole question to me is, can Harrell and these pass catchers do enough against a depleted West Virginia defense? And I kind of think they can. Yeah, I see. I see we're going with the over. I do think West Virginia is going to get this done. Uh, another piece, if you're looking at confidence pools and things like that, I do like them. Five and a half, we'll see. They're still taking money. I'm not sure it's going to test seven. I think that would be a little aggressive. But to me, West Virginia is the side that I do have interest in. I have not bet this game just yet, but I wanted to keep that in mind. All right, we're starting to see some big time programs pop up on the schedule now. Louisville and USC. Uh, Louisville, last time we saw them was in a what would have been a generational wealth spot if Rodemaker didn't have a concussion. It was still a wealth spot, but that's neither here nor there. Louisville's an eight-point favorite here. 57.5 point total. I mean, talk to me about the corpse of USC. What What's going on with these teams? At some point, I actually kind of want to bet them. <laughs> what, what would you think the line would be if Caleb Williams was playing? Pick them. Two and a half. Yeah, I what think you- it'd be somewhere between a pick'em and three. So yeah. obviously he's not playing. Biggest news in the whole game. They haven't I mean they had a couple other guys leave. So Marshawn Lloyd, Brennan Rice declared for the draft. Michael Jackson hit the portal. Those aren't really huge names. On defense, they've been down a ton of guys in their secondary. Say so you're right, Jacoby Covington, Zion Branch. They did have defensive lineman DeJon Benton at the portal. So, I mean, just watch those secondary guys. They've had basically a month off. They did not play in week 13 either, so they had an extra week. But, yeah, I mean, USC has two elite recruits behind Caleb Williams. Miller Moss has played actually a fair amount. He has a 73% completion, 9.2 yards per attempt. And, obviously, Malachi Nelson, who's allegedly the guy of the future, five-star. Pretty decent offensive line, just a 22.5% pressure rate. For all those receivers we just talked about, you still have Taj Washington, Singer, Zachariah Branch are all going to play in this game. I mean, the defense isn't good for USC. We know this, but if they can manufacture enough offense with two really good backup quarterbacks, elite skill position players everywhere, like at what point is this too far? in favor of Louisville. I would also say Louisville hasn't had any opt-outs. It doesn't mean they won't. Plummer, I think, plays, but watch Jawar Jordan. Watch Jamari Thrash. I mean, there's good edge rushers for this team. Ashton Jalot, Stephen Heron, Jarvis Brownlee. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys leave. I don't know if it's going to happen. I wouldn't say it's likely, but Louisville hasn't had it yet. I think they could see one or two leave for the NFL or hit the portal. So it's kind of USC or pass. I'm also interested in the over. Assuming these quarterbacks can be halfway decent. You don't need to be Caleb Williams against Louisville's defense, who's shown cracks. I mean, they played in a horrible ACC conference, and they played the easiest schedule of any ACC team. Yeah, I'm listen, I'm no fan of Louisville. I do not like this team. I don't think they should be north of a touchdown. USC, they got all, all sorts of problems, but one thing they never have problems with is they've got depth with elite recruits at every position. So maybe some of these guys will be ready to go. At eight, I am interested as well. Uh, all right, one more game, and then we'll get to the, the next slate of games on the 28th. But we got Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. Uh, you know, these are teams, again, various degrees of problems. Oklahoma State really rallied in the middle of the year. Texas A&M, mercifully, uh, that era has ended. It's a three-point spread. Who's in? Who's out? Uh, talk to me about this game. Okay. <laughs> I played Oklahoma State plus three 
I might buy out of it. Okay. So this was, it hinged on all the departures, injuries for AM. You had your top two quarterbacks, Max Johnson, Wegman, portal and injury there. Evan Stewart at receiver, portal. Jake Johnson at tight end, portal. Chase Besantis, interior offensive line, portal. Aeneas Smith, injured hand. None of those guys on offense are playing in the bowl. On defense, here's who's all hit the portal for this team. Deuce Harmon, Tyreek Chappell, Walter Nolan, LT Overton, Fadil Diggs, McKinley Jackson. He declared for the draft. So those are all players that are in, injured or portaled or NFL draft. I mean, that's your almost your entire defense. It's like seven starters. Your top two quarterbacks, a starting offensive line, and two receivers. The only problem is Oklahoma State's had a couple departures themselves. And I think the biggest one is Ali Gordon's rumored to have hit the portal. I haven't seen that officially cross my timeline, but the sources are pretty good there. So I don't think this is just smoke. If that is true, I think I'm just buying out of Oklahoma State straight up. I think Bowman's fine. The receivers that have hit the portal aren't contributors like Bray and Blaine Green. They're now bench receivers after their injuries. They just lost their spots. So, I mean, Oklahoma State's healthier. They have by far more of their starters. But if you're going to take Ollie Gordon away from this team, I, I don't know if you can back them. And plus, like AM has some of the best recruiting classes stacked in recent yes, years, they too. Do. They do have depth. I don't know, man. I'm kind of throwing my hands up. Might buy out of this. Tough game. I wanted to back AM, uh, but you just mentioned it just it like Walter. No, just the, the amount of people that have left this team. I still think. That's the side I lean to, but it's so many pieces that are not going to be there. It is a tough sell. I, I will are. say their third string quarterback has played well. Jalen oh, Henderson, the wherever he went, where where was he before? Fresno State or something? Yeah, Fresno State. This guy has played really well. Shockingly, I don't know how their O line is terrible. Maybe they found something again if the defense holds up, and they definitely have depth. But they lost a lot of big names. He does um, take sacks though, and Oklahoma State does have a good pass rush. 27% of his dropbacks have turned into sacks. So he just has not been able to navigate pressure. All right, we still got, again, most of the big goal, bowls are coming up here. Hope you've been using the timestamps. I do want to mention, though, uh, always, because when you've got 40 balls and you've got a bankroll and you're saying, what do I do? Well, one of the ways to be able to bet more, uh, always, is get on more books, take advantage of opportunities, and Bet365, of course, is one of those opportunities. I'm going to list off some states. Now, I wish it was every state, but it's not true. But if you're listening, listen up. If you live in New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, Iowa, Kentucky, Colorado, or Louisiana, seven states I just mentioned, if you live in one of them, go get your money. Make sure to take advantage of it. The link is below. Bet365 is giving you $150 just for betting five. You sign up, you bet five, win or lose. 150 in bonus bets coming back to you. You do have to be 21 plus 18 in Kentucky. If you have a gambling problem, call 100 gambler. But if you're looking for, Hey, I want to put some crazy parlays in on bowl season. Hey, I want to bet an extra couple games. This is the easiest way to do it. Uh, just by taking advantage of, and you get access to another place to shop these lines. So shout out to bet three, six, five. Here we go. SMU and Boston college uh, SMU. Shout out to them. Didn't think they were going to play well in their conference championship game, and they did. What do we have here? Can they keep it rolling? 11-point favorites. Yeah, I'm definitely not laying that spread if you're picking them for, I don't know, ball pickings and stuff. I think that's the side you have to take. Boston College has had a ton of injuries, departures. Ryan O'Keefe, Pat Garwo, George Takic, and defense, Jalen Backwell. 
Shida Sila, they're off for the year. Jaden Williams, a receiver, hit the portal. They've had three defensive backs injured. Elijah Jones, Jalen Cheek, Cole Batson. I, I, like, I just don't know who's playing for Boston College at this point. SMU, they did lose Preston Stone to the broken leg. Hiron White on the offensive line. But, I mean, this team has enough depth to probably win against Boston College, but it's probably going to be a greasy, lowest-scoring game. Like the two-lane game was. That was only a 26-14-point yep. game. So, yeah, I'll pass. I'm not laying double digits with this team, but I'd pick them in bowls. Rutgers and Miami, uh, another very close competitive spread. You got the U as a one-point favorite, 41-point total. Are you expecting a grinded-out game here, or is there another angle to take? Probably a grinded-out game. All the departures are on the Miami side. Rutgers, I mean, they played really well as kind of like a sum of their parts, but they don't really have any individuals that are really live for like NFL careers, anything like that. Miami has a ton of those players that sometimes didn't gel at times. So I think the biggest news here is you're probably looking at a third string quarterback, Ja'Curry Brown under center, Emery Williams injured, Van Dyke in the portal. But you have like four running backs you can fall back on. Donald Chaney hit the portal, but you still have Knight and A.J. Allen. And I mean, Mark Fletcher's really emerged for this team. Colby Young portal, but again, you got Restrepo, tons of depth there. On the on defense, a lot of guys gone. Akeem Mesidor on the edge, Nigeli Kelly, they're out for the year because of injury. You Daryl Porter's been out as well. Leonard Taylor there too. Two safeties. They opted out for the NFL. Cameron Kinchins, James Williams, Jafari Harvey, one of those edges that stepped up in place of Mesidor and Kelly. He hit the portal. Chance Williams, a depth edge, hit the portal. But with all that said, man, I still think. There's enough on defense where you can still probably stop Wimsat in this offense. And then at one point, like I'll just back a Miami team loaded with skill position players and talent outside a quarterback right now. Like on defense, you still have elite players in Jaden Davis and to Corey Couch at corner. Daryl Porter, if he comes back from injury too, he's another elite player. Ruben Bain on the edge has been fantastic. Mal go at linebacker still elite. You got a lot of guys gone, but you still have a lot of really premier talent on defense. I understand why the line's moving in Rutgers' direction, so I'm in no rush to bet Miami, but I'm definitely going to take this team. Yeah, I mean, I've been, uh, I can never quit Miami. Why not? One more for the <laughs> hell of it. Uh, they get me every time because of that talent. We got NC State. This is another team that's, that screws things up for me because I really don't like them against Kansas State. A three point spread here, 47 point total. Uh, you know, two teams that were kind of in the middle of the pack in their respective conferences, Kansas State at times. Showed some problems. What do we have here? Who do you expect in? Who do you expect out? I'm going to bet Kansas State, I think. I, I don't anticipate doing this quickly because I don't think you need to. But, man, they did lose Will Howard and Treshawn Ward. Fortunately, they have DJ Giddens at running back, and they still have the highest recruit in their program's history, Avery Johnson, at quarterback. Pretty good problem to have. They also have all their receivers. I mean, they go like five deep at that position. Sonata tight end is still there. On defense, Will Lee and Kobe Savage did hit the portal in the secondary. But, I mean, are we really concerned with NC State exploiting us over the top? You you do have Brennan Armstrong there at quarterback. I don't really know what you have there. He ruined his career. And then they have one good receiver in Conception who's not eligible for the draft. But I don't think this NC State defense is going to be at full strength. And they're 82nd in coverage to begin with. So, yeah, Kansas State wins a lot of the ground, but this isn't your Kansas state of old. They do have elite receivers and tight ends. They can beat you over the top, which is a weakness for NC state's defense. And then like, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these players miss Peyton Wilson, Robert Kennedy, Davin van Shaheem battle, Devon Boykin, all really good defenders. 
watch them. I don't know if you see the, all of them play. Just They probably do with NC State, but just watch and see. But anyway, Kansas State is the play for me. Me too. Like Kansas State, you mentioned uh, the backup quarterback high recruit. He can really move. Uh, he can cause a lot of problems on the ground. I watched him throughout the year when they would get him in there in these like packages or when Howard was banged up. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, Howard's good. Howard's going to play for a good power five team. And this kid played well enough to run him out. Exactly. Yeah. He's in the portal. Um, no doubt about it. Arizona and Oklahoma. Arizona's up to three now. Uh, this was inside three. Certainly we've seen the, you know, the Gabriel news. Now it, it looks like it's officially Oregon. Not that that's relevant. 62 point total. Is Arizona fully intact here? You would assume they'd be up for this game. Arizona's fully intact. They have no starters in the portal, no starters dealing with major injuries. What a cool I don't team. know if any have popped up. We don't have news on it, but this team is fully healthy. They don't have project to have anyone sit out. Unbelievable stuff. Oklahoma, so they have Gabriel gone. You lose a couple of running backs, a position of depth for them, but they still do have Jackson Arnold, who's – I mean, he's basically the crown jewel of their last recruiting class. How much of he, or like how much of Gabriel can he actually give you? Is this a 90% drop off? Is it 75? I don't know. I think that's really important to this game because Dylan Gabriel was such a cheat code for this offense. Jackson Arnold allegedly does have some mobility. So, I mean, I don't think your offense changes a ton with him under center. It's just the experience you lose. Gabriel, I mean, has a historic amount of starts under his belt. I did bet Arizona. I wanted to hear what you said because I kind of do have some reservations about it, but I think this is the team I want to back. I like Arizona in the spot. I just, it's hard to do this, but you, like, that's why I kind of asked you that. I, I kind of knew the answer that Arizona is just, like, they are intact. They are ready to go. I think they can keep some momentum. And Oklahoma, I didn't think it was drastic problems. And, and certainly they've got, they're another team like USC. Uh, and, and there's a couple other we talked about where Texas A&M, the losses just allow super, super good recruits a chance. Um, so it's not like a talent problem. I just like Arizona. I love the way they play. I've backed them a lot. I will see what we can get. I'm not sure it's going to go back to two and a half. But yeah, Arizona even at three is the play for me. I have them at three. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. We got uh, Kentucky and Clemson. Let's see what we got here. It's a five, five and a half point spread. You know, Clemson certainly didn't have the year that they wanted. They did rally a little at times. What do they got going on? Who's in? Who's out for the Tigers? Haven't bet this game. I guess I'll say mild interest in Clemson if we don't have any more opt outs. I don't know if we will. We'll see. So it's mainly on defense. They had a couple guys leave on offense who I don't really care about, like Bo Collins. I don't. Antonio Williams should be, should be back. Bo Collins isn't any good anyway, so who cares? On defense, you do have a lot of guys. Like Makuba hit the portal. Toriano Pride hit the portal, who would have played in this game. Nate Wiggins at corner and Jeremiah Trotter opted out for the NFL. They did they did find Barrett Carter. He's going to return next year. But what yes. happens with some of these other guys? Tyler Davis, Rook Ohorohor, so I've always, I can't say his name. But Xavier Thomas, those are all defensive linemen. What are they doing? What about Will Shipley and Phil Maffa? They're both eligible to go to the draft. I don't know if they will. There has been no word. That would be huge because this team does win through their run game. I don't. I still don't buy Klubnik. The offensive line is not great, not bad. Receivers are atrocious. So, I mean, I, I do think having Maffa and Shipley would be huge for this team. 
Kentucky is just middling everywhere on defense. So I, I don't really think their run defense is going to stand up here. As far as Kentucky themselves, you still have the turnover factory and Leary there. All his skill position players project to play. Ray Davis said he is going to play in this game, which was weird to me. But they did lose Keaton Wade, defensive lineman, and Jalen Geiger at corner to the portal. As long as we don't have any more of these guys opt out for Clemson, I think they're the play. But that's just the thing. I'm not going to play it right now because you might see someone leave. Yeah, again, these games are certainly, you know, we're talking about a couple weeks away. So keep an eye on it. I do think there are some spots that you can actionably get down right now. But that is, I'll just keep saying it, why you want to be part of our communities Keep on it. Matt underscore Gajeski on Twitter at JazzRazDFS. Tweet us. Uh, we'll certainly be around as the games grow closer. All right. I got to ask you. I kind of asked you this before the show. And you you said to me, uh, like, Notre Dame is in shambles, too. Because at one point, you know, Oregon State's coach, I didn't think he was going to leave. I was wrong about that. Not that anyone cares. Uh, he goes to Michigan State. It's a mass defection. The spread balloons, and now it's all the way inside seven. So what what happened to this game? And I obviously Notre Dame is not going to be at full strength. Sam Hartman opted out of the game. I mean, this team is a horrible offensive coordinator, so they're just hemorrhaging high recruits. Mitchell Evans at tight end towards ACL. Their backup holding Stoss at the portal. No idea who's playing tight end at wide receiver. They've now lost Rico Flores, Chris Tyree, Tyree Braylon James, and Tobias Merriweather. Those are I mean, Tyree, formerly a running back, but otherwise that's three, four, four-star receivers are better. You also lost Z Coral on the offensive line to the portal at guard. And then I think there's plenty of guys that haven't announced whether they're going to opt out or not. On offense, that includes Joe Alt at tackle, Blake Fisher at tackle, Audric Estimate running back. I think every one of those guys could opt out. And I think, honestly, with the Sam Hartman domino falling, there's a pretty good chance that all of them that all of them do. And then on defense, you had Nana Osafa Mensa hit the portal and Maris Leifau, he opted out for the NFL as well. There's a number of other NFL caliber players like JT Bertrand at linebacker, Cam Hart at corner, Benjamin Morrison at corner, Riley Mills, defensive tackle, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Jack Kaiser, Jordan Botello. I wouldn't be surprised if any or all of them opted out. So, I mean, there's tons of dominoes left to fall for Notre Dame. I certainly don't think you can play that side. But can you play Oregon State, who's been equally as affected by this? Top two quarterbacks, Uagalele and Childs hit the portal. I will say their third stringer, he's actually played some snaps before. It's Ben Branson. Last year, he did play a considerable amount due to injury, and he's not terrible. So I actually think Branson versus Angeli. Branson's still probably the better signal caller. With estimate projected to opt out, you do have Damian Martinez on this team who hasn't portaled and he's not eligible for the draft. So I do think running back is an edge Oregon State's way. Receiver might be as well. Watch Anthony Gold. I think he's going to opt out, but still Silas Bolin's there. O-line's a mess for both teams. Defense is a mess for both teams. Oregon State's already had Achille Arnold, Jermod McCoy, and Easton Mascardinas opt out of the game. They both hit the portal, or all three of them hit the portal. So, I mean, it's, it's a complete disaster here. But anticipating more from Notre Dame, I think if you are playing the game, it's Oregon State or pass because there's just so many players likely to opt out for Notre Dame that haven't yet. What an ugly game you mentioned. It is it's the kind worst of a, ball game. Yeah, this is bad. Uh, Gold Branson, that is a good point because, you know, when they lost uh, DJ and then Giles, who was that big recruit, it was like, well, who's left? That guy has played and he's somewhat effective. Uh, so I get it. Um, 
I'm not I I can't do that though. That's a that's a messy game. Uh Memphis and Iowa State. Iowa State eight and a half point favorite, 57 and a half point total. We've seen during the year that Memphis was a really prolific offense. We also saw, saw during the year that Beck for Iowa State was better than we anticipated. Who's in, who's out, and what's the side here? Yeah, Iowa State pulling off, you know, like Northwestern-esque season yeah, after me? they they weren't expected to do anything. They, I think, are the side here. I, I was lucky enough to get them at six and a half. I honestly don't hate the current number. Huh? Memphis has a terrible defense, horrifyingly bad defense. And it's cost them games all year long. It's a shootout team. And now they're going to be facing Iowa State, who's built kind of the opposite. So Memphis has allowed production to some of the worst offenses in the country. Like Charlotte scored 38 points in this team. South Florida scored 50. Iowa State's just fine. Their offense isn't high-powered, but they're going to have no problem scoring. They did have some portal departures, but at positions of depth. So they lose like Norton and Sanders at running back. But Abu Sama coming off an elite Week 13 game in the snow. Guy's a monster. Good quarterback situation. I don't think Beck does anything special, but he takes care of the ball. Good completion, 8.1 yards per attempt. And then Iowa State, no departures on defense. They did have Malik Verdon out because of injury. Again, about a month now, maybe he returns. But no portals, no portal losses for Iowa State. They're going to stand on this defense, which has been awesome all season long. And then Memphis, they've been pretty good on offense against AAC competition, which we've already noted has been bad. They did lose Mikhail and Pounders, their best offensive lineman, to the portal at tackle. I don't know if that makes a huge difference. It is at least worth noting here. I think Iowa State is the side. Cyclones, I can get on board with that. Uh, no problem with them either. We get to some of the, these are some of the marquee, you know, elite bowl games. Missouri and Ohio State, uh, two teams that, you know, again, they weren't, Ohio State was in the thick of it. Missouri was just a really good year for them. Two and a half point spread, 48 and a half point total. Who's intact? Certainly, you know, we know McCord hit the portal. Talk to me. Uh, maybe our favorite team of the year in Missouri. Yeah, so sometimes you get lucky betting bulls. I bet Missouri at plus four anticipating Ohio State opt-outs. Didn't think McCord was hitting the portal. So yeah, got, got lucky. Have to admit, got lucky. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to... I would bet Missouri at the current number. Anything under three, I think, is fine. Ohio State, even though they haven't had some of these guys opt out yet, fully expecting them to. I'm sorry, Ohio State fans. I know you're offering Marvin Harrison first-round <laughs> NFL draft money. He's not staying. Like, don't be insane. No, you know why he's not staying? It's because if he stays, he delays generational money in an NFL second contract. It's not even the first rookie contract that matters. And every year you delay that, you increase – your risk of getting injured and then not making generational money in a second contract. Like Marvin Harrison, he could get like Tyreek Hill money or something in his second NFL contract. You just cannot delay that. His agent's not stupid. He's not stupid. He's not playing in this game. He's not playing for you next year. I also don't think Abuka's is playing. There's a whole slew of defenders. I would be shocked if they play. Like I think some combination of Tyreek Williams, Josh Proctor, Jack Sawyer, Denzel Burke, Lathan Ransom, Sonny Styles, JT Tumaloa, Davis and a bigger son. I think at least half those guys opt out, if not more. So, I mean, I, that was what I was anticipating when I played Missouri plus four. Those, na those names haven't announced yet. And then already on offense, you mentioned McCord and Fleming. They hit the portal too. So even more opt outs, chip train on portal. Mayan Williams is out for the year with injury. What we can say about Missouri is this team is going to have much better health and player availability 
Their best player, Luther Burden, is a sophomore. He can't hit the draft this year. Brady Cook's not going to hit the draft this year. So that immediately stands out. I don't think Cody Schrader is good enough to opt out of this game for the draft. He had an awesome season, but he's still kind of like a grinder running back who doesn't really profile as an NFL high draft pick. I mean, Theo Weiss is not going to opt out of this game. Mookie Cooper's not opting out of this game. Your offensive line is solid. You don't really have much. Like, maybe you lose Javon Foster, a tackle, but, man, this unit should be mostly intact. Defense is pretty good. Maybe you have some worry about Chris Abrams, Drain, and Enos Rakestraw. But, I mean, now you're facing Devin Brown, backup quarterbacks. I'm anticipating Missouri being way healthier and active in this game versus Ohio State. So I, that's why I still think the current number is okay. Who's, just real quick, who's the Ohio State quarterback? Devin Brown. Any thoughts? Well, he was in a competition with McCord, allegedly. Like, I think most people assumed it was McCord all season long. But at, Day at least kept the charade that it was a competition for most of the offseason. His efficiency numbers are fine. He just barely played. So I don't I don't know. 1.8 yards per carry, 54.5% completion, 9 yards per attempt. He, he'll now be throwing to... I guess Carnell Tate and whoever else, but yeah, it's pretty rough sledding. We go to the Peach Bowl. Uh, we got Ole Miss and Penn State at three and a half point spread for the Nittany Lions, 49 point total. Uh, what do we got here? We know Penn State, again, disappointing in the biggest games this year. Are they missing some dudes? Ole Miss, uh, you know, they battled in a tough SEC East as they always do. What do you got going on? Or West, I should say. Uh, what do they got going on? Yeah, I wanted to ask you what you thought about the Penn State opt-outs because they just lost Chop Robinson so far. But yep. on defense, wouldn't be surprised to see any combination of Kevin Winston, Adisa Isaac, Kobe King, Kalen King, Daquan Hardy, or Jalen Reed opt out of the game. And then, of course, I'm not expecting Olu Fushanu to play. So, I mean, I think it's either you bet Ole Miss now, anticipating some guys leave, and then you probably look at line movement, or you just pass. Like, I don't want to bet Ole Miss at a stale, like, Say a lot of those guys opt out for Penn State, and then you get it close to a pick or like plus one or plus two. I probably don't want to play Ole Miss at that price. But I, how likely do you think it is that these guys opt out? Because I kind of so, want to play it in anticipation. So that's – I'm with you. I like three and a half. Uh, and the thing is, I don't – it's kind of like what you said about Ohio State's defense. How confident are you that, say, I'll just take Jack Sawyer opts out? I don't know. Maybe somewhat confident. But how confident are you – that some of them opt out, like very confident. I, I feel the same way about Penn State. Uh, particularly, I'd be stunned if the stud tackle plays. And then a combination of some of those secondary pieces, King in particular, uh, I don't think they're going to be at full strength. And Ole Miss, I mean, what are you here? Like, do you expect Dart and Judkins and the main guys there? Yeah, so Judkins is a sophomore. He can't leave. Dart's not like an NFL talent. So I don't, he's definitely not going to leave. Their receivers also not like super high on NFL boards, you know, like Trey Harris, Dayton Wade, certainly not. And they're deep there too. And Caden Prescore in a tight end already announced his intention to return. Then some of your best defenders, they're also not eligible for the draft. Like their best defenders are freshmen. So I, I think Ole Miss is by far the team less affected by this. I agree. I agree. And they're a team I've got circled uh and i kind of want to i think i'm going to lock them in sooner rather than later because i want three and a half uh maryland and auburn okay two and a half point spread whatever i don't even know what, what's going on here auburn almost took down bama could have started a, a much easier chain of events for florida state but they didn't is there a play here in this game 
I don't think so right now. I was going to ask you, is Tagovailoa good enough to opt out? I don't think so. Um, I also don't know what he gains by playing. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I want yeah, to. So it's kind of thing. If you think there's equity there, it might just solidify two and a half for Auburn. It's taking money already. I think it's going to go to three. Probably is three at some other books. Again, you go to Odd Shopper and check it. But uh, it would be Auburn and pass. It was Auburn and pass before I even thought about that. So maybe that just furthers the position. Yeah, I guess to dive into what we know, Maryland's had three injuries in their offensive line. Eric Harris, Scott Lieb, Yedzi, Emilio Moran have all been missing time. You lost your top two tight ends, Corey Dykes, Rico Walker, Corey Coley on defensive corner, and Jay Sean Barham at linebacker hit the portal. So you're definitely not at full strength, and their defense was terrible to begin with. Their O-line's not good. Tago Bailoa has been playing hero ball his whole career there. Auburn, I don't, I mean, I don't love this team. I think they have pieces. Obviously, an incomplete team in the first year under freeze. All the receivers they lost are all rotational guys. They use about eight players at that position. They don't really have any major departures on defense. Honestly, there have been rumors that guys like Jalen Simpson are going to return next year. So I think you're kind of on the right side of opt-outs for Auburn. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's Auburn or pass. Yeah, I, I that's the way I see it. Not, not at the top of my board, but that is where I'll be going for my pick and pools and things like that. Georgia and Florida State. What a sad, sad game. Um, not going to get into it. You can leave comments on who should have been in the playoff below. We'll We'll read them. I certainly think that Florida State deserve to be in the playoff, and I certainly think they're not one of the four best teams. Uh, Georgia, certainly one of the four best teams and certainly didn't deserve to be there. 14-point spread, 44.5-point total. Ugh, I didn't bet this game, and I honestly don't think I will, but are you going to bet this game? Yeah, I'm, I'm laying the points with Georgia. And as far uh, as the playoff goes, two things can be true. Georgia can still be – like if you played any game this year, Georgia involved – They'd be favored over every other single opponent in the country on a neutral field, and they still don't deserve to be in because yes, you, you play the games. I mean, they can't you can't drop games and still be in the playoff. Florida State, I mean, just read the rule book. The reason they didn't get in is the the injury clause. I mean, there is it's it's just defined in the rules why they didn't get in. Anyway, as far as this game goes, expecting opt-outs galore on both sides. Jordan Travis obviously out for the year, but Florida State's had a ton of guys leave. Bless Harris, offensive tackle, hit the porter portal. Marques and Douglas at tight end. Preston Daniel at tight end, hit the portal. I wouldn't be surprised to see any other players either opt out or portal at that position. Johnny Wilson's out. I'm not expecting to see Keon Coleman in this game. A ton of guys on defense. I would be shocked if they played. Patrick Payton hit the portal, but then you still have like Jared Burst, Ventral Cypress, Tayton Bethune, Braden Fisk, just to name a few. So I'm not sure the portal stuff or the opt-out stuff is done for Florida State. And I do think the drop-off here is significant, whereas with Georgia, I mean, you're going to see guys also opt out. A couple of candidates, Cedric Van Pran, Amarius Mims, Brock Bowers, Lasseter, Nazir Stackhouse, Javon Bullard. But we've seen a lot of these guys injured this year. Georgia's played through them. Their depth is the best in the country. I mean, with whoever they end up starting at quarterback, Rodemaker, I, I don't know. Georgia's defense is going to have a field day against him, especially against an offensive line that's had opt-outs. And then on offense, I mean, Georgia is so deep. Even if guys like it's say it's like Marcus Rosemey Jackson and Oscar Delp, like these guys are better than anything Florida State's going to play with. I think Florida State, 
I mean, they can't score to begin with, but Georgia should run away with this. I have no problem backing Georgia in the spot. I mean, like Georgia's second team is better than most bowl teams flat out altogether. Yeah, no argument there. If Georgia would have just beat Alabama, both these teams would have gone in the playoff, uh, which is disturbing. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Uh, we move on. Wyoming and Toledo certainly were not going to make the playoff, but they did make bowl. Three-point spread, 44.5-point total. What do you say about old Craig Bull and, and the Wyoming Cowboys? You looking to lay the points there, or do you like Toledo? Yeah, Craig Bull. Craig Bull's coaching, right? This is last game. I I could be wrong. I was under the impression of that. that I he thought he coaching. was, too. I, he's okay. retiring at the end of this year. so Yeah, last, which I think matters, honestly. I mean, it's bad for Wyoming. He's an. I used to be a Craig Bull hater. I've changed my tune. I now understand it's not easy to get people to transfer to Laramie or to re- recruit to Laramie. So a lot of his personnel management stuff, I understand he's dealing with limitations, but he's gotten the most out of players on the field there. And the only player that hit the portal for them is Colby Taylor at corner. Should be completely fine everywhere across the board. Mostly healthy too. They don't have a lot of injuries. Toledo lost to Quan Finn, who is probably the biggest departure in the MAC outside of maybe Curtis Rourke. Also lost an offensive lineman, Vinny Scurry. I mean, I'm just going to back Wyoming based on those two departures. Daquan Finn is worth a lot to the spread. Their backup, Tucker Gleason, he's fine. He has a 50% completion. He runs a little bit, but, man, I, I still am worried about this. I What did I take Wyoming at? I can't remember the exact number. I'll look it up for you right now. But that's the side I lean to to begin with. I like Wyoming. I'm betting them. I'm comfortable with the current number. Uh, they're going to be ready for this game pretty much intact. Count me in. All right. We've made it. We got the we have rattled off like 35 bowls and we're gonna we're doing okay here. We're into 2024. Again, I, I will say real quick, and I'll bring it up at the end when we do our recap. If you have not signed up to Odd Chopper Premium and you want to be part of our community, you want these tools, make sure to use the promo that's only available till December 16th, just for this show. CFB 2023, 50% off the link in the description. Again, if you're watching this on December 28th, uh you can sign up, of course, and we want you as part of the team. Uh, but links are below. Wisconsin and LSU, your boys. 2024, first game of that year. Ten and a half point spread. Can they compete uh, with LSU here? I doubt it. I mean, like, I'm definitely not betting Wisconsin. I think it's okay. do, we, do we bet LSU. So, obviously, we're not expected to see Daniels, the Heisman winner. He, he's improved his draft stock enough where I – man, I've seen, like, some – highly regarded draft analysts have him as their QB one. Now I don't think he goes there, but I mean, this guy might get drafted in the first round. Obviously you have really good receivers that are questionable to play neighbors. I don't think plays Brian Thomas. I don't think plays. So you're, you're down a lot of guys there. Offensive line is amazing for this team. And fortunately some of them are still underclassmen. So you're not really at, at as much a risk there. And then, I mean, the biggest weakness for LSU is in their secondary and you're still not going to have Greg Brooks, Deuce Chestnut, or Denver Harris. They're not going to play. I think their status with the team is in doubt. We'll see what they do. They're pretty decent up front. I mean, Harold Perkins is not eligible for the draft. This pass rush is still going to be fairly intact. I know Wingo and Mason Smith in the interior probably don't play, but pretty decent edge presence for LSU. Wisconsin does not have Ches Malusi or Braylon Allen. They lost Shamir DK and Skylar Bell to the portal. Offensive line is decent. They don't really have any opt-outs on defense, but that unit has just been middling at best. I mean, when you look at their replacements for LSU, these guys are still awesome. 
I mean, I heard people talking about Nussmeyer potentially being a Heisman candidate for next year already. Playing behind an elite offensive line, six or seven running backs you could use, highlighted by Logan Diggs. You still have Kyron Lacey, and all your receivers are four and five stars. So it's kind of like, you know, the Ohio State Bowl against Utah two years ago, where it's the first time you see Marvin Harrison. We have no idea what he is. But as a five-star freshman, there's a pretty decent chance he's good, especially when you're competing with neighbors and Brian Thomas for snaps. It makes sense why you're not on the field. I don't know. It's LSU or pass for me. I'm, I'm debating actually playing it. I haven't played it. I'm not sure I will. I'll keep an eye on it. Certainly if it bounced to 10 or 9.5, I would. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Uh, again, I'll shop it. Keep an eye on it. One spread that has moved is this. Liberty gets their chance against Oregon. Uh, I like this over. I'll get right to it. But it's 17 and a half now. That's a lot of points. Is it warranted? Or do you think that you know Salter and this team can keep up? I definitely think you're dealing with more opt-outs on Oregon. I bet the over two just right away. You got okay. me in on this on like day one of bowl season. You're like, yeah. look at this over. Looked at it, took it. Just lock it in. I mean, so Oregon, Bo Nix is playing the game. At least he said he is, which is wild. So, I mean, that's that's huge, especially for the – even if, like, Troy Franklin opts out because Bucky Irving did opt out, but, I mean, you still have depth at running back. Like, I think Jordan James is just fine as a replacement. But say, like, Troy Franklin opts out or something, like, having Bo Nix is awesome, and they have a lot of depth there. They already ran four wide receivers a ton this last year. So I think Oregon does their part. Liberty is a fine defense – for a team that's G5. But then this Oregon defense probably is going to have some opt-outs between Evan Williams, Brandon Dorless, Kyrie Jackson, who's already opted out, Jordan Birch, Steve Stevens. I mean, I think you're going to lose some guys there. And Caden Salter, yeah, he's playing at Liberty, but this is a former four-star, initially played at Tennessee. Not going to see any opt-outs for Liberty. They're just not good enough. But good pacing, defensive questions on both sides. Yeah, man, I'm all in on and over. Yeah, that, that's my play. If I had to take a side, if you're in a pick and pool, I would take 17 and a hook. Uh, just a lot of points there, but I don't I don't really want to mess around with that. I think there are better spots, as we just talked about. Last game before the games, we've got Tennessee and Iowa. 36 and a half point total. Uh, am I missing something? I mean, I, I know it's Iowa, but like, how is Iowa going to even... I don't, I'm no fan of Tennessee. Let me put it like that, but... Iowa against anyone competent seems to just be walloped. Is that what you see here? Or is Tennessee going to be dragged down into the muck with Iowa? I don't know. I, I'm hesitant to bet Tennessee. They just had so many losses in the portal already. And I don't know if it's done and which is tough. I mean, like NFL draft opt-outs, I think are a little easier to predict than portal opt-outs. So like Wesley Walker, he's been missing time. And then for portal guys, you already lost to Marion McDonald. You lost to Nico Slaughter. There's a couple others. Their offensive line is completely depleted. Like Andre Karich has been gone. Javante Spragans is out for the year. John Campbell missed time. You have no receivers. Brew McCoy is done for the year. Dante Thornton's injured. A number of other players on defense have been out. Like Arian Carter at linebacker, who was playing really well as a freshman. He's been out. So, I, like, I just don't know who we see for Tennessee. But at the end of the day, does it matter? I was not scoring. Deacon Hills, I mean, they'd be better off playing a running back there. I did. I don't know, man. I'm just like throwing my hands in the air. I don't care who wins this game. I'm not watching it. Yeah. Put yep. this game on Cartoon Network at two in the morning. I mean, it's that's just, fine with me. They should, yeah, they should go to the slime Nickelodeon feed. For uh, pools, I would take Tennessee. Otherwise, I'm not betting it. Yep, I'm with you. I'm not. No chance I would ever back Iowa. 
I don't know if I'm really looking to back anything, though. All right, let's get to these games. It uh, doesn't mean they're the best betting games, but there's going to be the most interest here. You've got Alabama and Michigan. One and a half point spread, minus 112. Again, it's going to vary. Odd chopper can chop it. 45 and a half point total. You knew Michigan was getting in. I, I think it was pretty obvious that Alabama, they're not going to leave the SEC out altogether. What do you see? Uh, I mean, you know, you know, these teams are going to be at full strength. How do you break it down? We're doing Michigan first. Sorry. Yeah, Alabama and Michigan. Okay, sorry. I for so I know I knew this game was earlier. I just accidentally flipped the order on my sheet like a moron. Yeah, yeah sorry. I I actually like Alabama in this game against Michigan. I think there's ways that they can exploit this team. Michigan has had one test all year. It was Ohio State. I think they've shown vulnerabilities in other contests. You can just look through their body of work. You play Ohio State to six points. They were the rightful winner in that game. Still close. I had concerns with the Nebraska game. I mean, they were outgained in that contest, yards per play. They've had difficulty running the ball at times. The offensive line has cracks. They're 53rd in pass blocking, and they lost Zach Zinter, of course, with the tragic broken leg injury. He was, I don't know where he's going to get drafted now, but he definitely was supposed to be a high draft pick. Their defense is awesome, but I also don't put a lot of respect in beating Deacon Hill, Drew Aller, Hudson Card, Whoever started when they played Michigan State, Ethan Kaliak-Manis, I mean, Gavin Wimsat. Like, yeah, your defense is going to look awesome when you play those teams. How good are you really? You now have a legitimate test in Jalen Milrow, who I don't care what anyone says, has some of the best efficiency numbers in the country. We know why people don't like him. He has like one or two boneheaded plays every single game, which are horrifyingly bad. But as far as the full skill set go, this guy is, I mean, he was in the Heisman running. He wasn't close, but... That tells you how good he is, at least to some degree. 10.5 yards per attempt. How would you like a first down every time the guy drops back? That's what he's averaging. 468 rushing yards. He can do it on the ground. The offensive line, which was a concern for them early this year, has vaulted close to the top 20. And a lot of it just, I think, is the development of young players like Caden Proctor. And we talk about this a lot. Imagine five-star freshman struggles a little bit in his first couple games. Gets amazing throughout the year. Who would have thought that was possible? This defense is elite, third in the country, good everywhere. And Michigan is a one-dimensional offense. This team plays through Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards. J.J. McCarthy has been asked to win games at times, and he struggled to do so. Really, the last time you can find this is going back to TCU last year. But, I mean, he didn't play well against Iowa, who is a defense that still has questions despite being very good. Now you're facing the number one secondary in the country, a team that's amazing rushing the passer. I don't know. I think there's a lot of edges Bama's direction and we're making a lot of assumptions about Michigan just because of the schedule they do play throughout the year. So I'm happy to take the points here. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, I agree. If, if Michigan wins, certainly I don't think they're just going to be able to do what they've done all year. JJ's going to have to make plays. My man who I think is unbelievable. Wilson's going to have to have a day on the outside. It's going to be peppered with targets. He's going to be busy. It's not going to be like these other games, but this is a, a serious test. And I think we all saw it. No one's thrilled when you draw Alabama, um, obviously for them. I think the other game in some ways is more fascinating and that's Texas and Washington 64 point total, much healthier. Texas is up to four points. Uh, are you buying them or do you think that Washington once again can defy the odds? Um, I bet Texas at minus four, obviously it's not going to move significantly during this span, but 
I think this team is very strong, especially on offense. You want basically when you play Washington, you need an offense that can go toe for toe because Washington's definitely going to score. I, they they're facing a very tough test here. This might be the best defense Washington's faced all year. In fact, I think it probably is without a doubt. Playing that Pac-12 schedule, you face a lot of paper tigers. I respect Arizona. They don't have the best defense. Obviously, USC is no defense. Utah, for whatever reason, was severely overrated. Oregon State had weaknesses in the secondary. And then Oregon, the best test they've faced so far this year, twice. They allowed, I mean, they put up 30 points, but the team also allowed 30. So it's it's tough for me with Washington overall because you, you're reliant so much on Penix. You, their run game is fine, but I don't think they're going to have success against that against Texas, who's amazing up front, especially with like sweat there. They're 14th in run defense. You're going to have to throw the ball over top of this team. But then on the other side, I mean, like, Texas is so many offensive strengths and they're so deep. And I think they're smart to hide Ewers a little bit. They don't ask him to do a ton. It's basically just get the ball to Worthy, Whittington, Sanders. And I mean, they've gotten awesome production out of their running backs, even though Jonathan Brooks is out for the year with the ACL. Baxter's been fine. Blue has been a home run hitter. This offensive line is amazing, too. They're second in the country in pass blocking. Keep Ewers upright. Pave the way for those backs. And then you're, you're really strong up front on defense, too. Again, 14th in run defense. They're 11th in pass rush. That'll be an amazing matchup because Washington State is an amazing offensive line. So who wins that could be key to the game. But I think overall, strength of your team, I prefer Texas over Washington. The body work is better, and I think they are more talented. You're basically just hoping Penix doesn't have another hero game with Odunes and McMillan and stuff to to potentially have like a, a meltdown for Texas or something. Yeah, I'm no fan of the Longhorns, but I, I do kind of like them in this spot. I actually think, you know, they. I, I wouldn't be stunned if they win this whole little thing. Uh, Neither, but dude, like, dude, Oregon was just a ten point favorite over Washington. I know, I know, I know. I, I which again, yeah, just play that game. I mean, I'm with you, and I think that the point you already echoed. Texas's defense. I'm not sure what Washington has really faced. They're going to cause some problems. For Washington, Penix is unbelievable, and he's got all these guys. And I'm a big fan of Johnson and all the receivers. I'm with you, Texas on the card. All right, Woo, how are you feeling? That was a lot, but we did I it. I feel great. I'm excited Excellent. for bowl season. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm excited for hoops too. Hopefully, we can find oh, yeah. something to do for hoops after this. Oh, we're gonna find some idea. Drop in the comments what you want to see for college basketball, because uh, we're not going anywhere. But we got to do. Our recap, we'll give you our best bets. And again, for our loyal betting you audience, if you were skipping around and you did not hear, Odd Chopper Premium from the picks to our community in Discord to all the premium tools. I'm talking to the EV betting, the market-based approach, parlay builder, arbitrage, all that stuff. It is combined into one package. The link is below. And it, until December 16th, you can get 50% off just for the show. CFB 2023 at checkout. Just apply that code. Save yourself some money. If you're watching it afterwards, come on in still. Uh, again, you won't have that code, but we love to have you in there, and it is worth it. I'm telling you, test it out for a week and see for yourself. But give me, uh, you know, I say it every time. I've said it every show. A couple of your favorite bets on the way out because we covered all sorts of things. Yeah, it's tough to pick. We did a million games. A couple I like that I think you can still get at the current numbers. I do like Texas Tech against Cal, who's down – Two starters on defense, one at the edge. That was really the only mismatch they had in their favor. Minnesota over Bowling Green. I think a lot of this 
non-movement, I suppose, is due to Athian, Athan Kaliak Manis hitting the portal. I think Cole Kramer's just fine under center, and Bowling Green had some opt-outs themselves. Texas State against Rice, JT Daniels oh, yeah. medically retired. So that's something I think you can get to. Uh, I'll see where you're going before adding anything else. Uh, I'm going to go to Old Dominion. I really like that spot against Love Western it. Kentucky. Uh, just not a lot there for that. And then I'm going to go to Wyoming. Shout out to a squad uh, that I've always liked. Again, coaches, coaches retiring pretty much intact. I almost said Arizona, but for me, those are the two I'll put on the board. Yeah, love those two both. I thought you were going to pick Old Dominion, so I left it for you. Yeah, thank you. You're a gentleman uh, and a scholar. We appreciate it. We appreciate you guys. Again, news is going to break. Things are going to change, but we hope that you're just a little better equipped for bowl season with this mega episode. And again, the links below are for you guys. If you have any questions at all, find us on Twitter. Give this man a follow. Check out that data sheet. It is worth its weight in gold. Matt underscore Gajeski. You can find me at JazzRazDFS. Have a great season. It's going to be an awesome end to the year and an awesome start to 2024 for me, for Matt, for all of us at Odd Chopper. Thanks again for being with us all year. Hit the like button, support and share, please. We want to build this up. And of course, we'll be talking to you. We'll be having day-by-game breakdowns as we go along. But good luck on these games. And we'll talk to you soon.